Hey, this is Rodney Gage. I'm the pastor of Rethink Life Church in Orlando, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages and inspires you to live with a new perspective, make better choices, and have a greater impact with your life. Here's today's message. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm ready to get fat for 2024. Can I get an amen? Man, that fit stuff is overrated. Now, today, today we are kicking off something that is going to take us through the end of the month called How to Get Fat. And before some of you literally in your mind are processing, where is he going with this? And what in the world is this going to be about? Because many of us right now, we're thinking about New Year resolutions, right? In fact, it's even too late to be thinking about it. <laughs> you, you probably have been planning on it for quite some time. And maybe for some of you, you you've already set some, some important goals. And maybe for some of you, it's, you know, it's to get healthy, it's to get fit, it's to maybe get back in shape, it's to establish some new routines, some new habits, or whatever that might be. And I am 100% for that. I'm all about it. Many of you here today are perhaps striving, as far as your goals and aspirations for 2024, is to maybe grow your business. Maybe you want to increase your revenue. You want to grow your income on a personal level, on a professional level, whatever that might be. And so you've set some lofty goals, some ambitious goals that you are striving to accomplish. Again, I think that's wonderful. I am all about setting our sights on the future and standing in faith that with God's help, we're going to achieve those things. Well, that really has a lot to do with what we're talking about because... I believe the way that we position ourselves, the way we truly set ourselves up for success when it comes to receiving, experiencing God's supernatural power, favor, His increase in our lives, is not by necessarily getting what we often associate as getting fit, but rather getting fat. Now, for some of you, you're thinking, what do you mean by that? Well, what I mean is this. God is more, he is more focused on you and me getting bigger on the inside than on the outside. It's more important to God that we grow ourselves, that we become stronger on the inside more so on the outside. In other words, God wants us to grow in our character. God wants us to develop our character character. And he wants our character to be positioned in such a way that once again on the inside we are much greater, we're much stronger, we're bigger on the inside than perhaps what is seen on the outside. So what what I want to do today is I want to take the word fat and what we're going to do is we're going to break it down into three words. Ready for this? Faith, availability, teachability. So God wants us, first and foremost, to be people of faith. And we're going to be unpacking that today more specifically. Next week, we're going to be talking about what does it mean to position ourselves to be people who are available to be used of God. 
And then we're going to learn really what it means to live each and every day in a posture with an attitude and really a, a perspective of being teachable so that we are teachable to receive whatever it is that God wants to teach us as he continues to grow and develop our character throughout this calendar year. Because again, I believe that once we become bigger on the inside, as God grows our character, God will also help us take care of what we're striving for on the outside. Amen? So turn to your neighbor and say, let's get fat. All right. Now turn to the other person and say, speak for yourself. So, so with that in mind, there's an incredible story in the scriptures in Matthew 9 where Jesus um, approached these, actually these blind men had approached Jesus and they, they wanted Jesus to obviously heal them, to open their eyes so that they could see. And, and as a result of that, Jesus asked them the question, he said, he said, what do you want me to do for you? And they said, we want to see. And what Jesus responded with in Matthew 9, verse 29, is this statement. He said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. In the Passion Translation, Jesus said it this way. You will have what your faith expects. So in essence, what Jesus was saying to these two men is that, listen, according to your faith, your belief, what you truly are asking for, because of your faith, it will happen. Jesus, in that moment, established something known as the law of expectation. And the law of expectation is basically just that. We have a tendency to get out of life what we expect to get out of life. In other words, let me say it to you this way. We tend to see what we expect to see. We tend to hear what we expect to hear. We tend to feel often what we, or perhaps how we expect to feel. We have a tendency to, to accomplish what we expect to accomplish, right? So when you think about it, that is also a law of faith. Because in our faith, God wants us to have this expectant faith. Why? Because according to our faith, it will be done. In fact, in Hebrews 6 verse 11, it says it this way. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So the only way that we can truly please God is to live our lives according to living by faith. And so when you think about it, Faith, in many ways, is pretty much the central message. It's at, literally at the heart and the core of the Christian life. And so when you think about living the Christian life, it is impossible to be everything that God has created us to be, that he desires for us to become. It is impossible for us to live that out and experience everything that God has for our life without faith. And so faith literally is everything. And here's what the apostles basically uh, asked Jesus for in Luke chapter 17, verse 5. Here's what they said. They said, Lord, show us how to increase our faith. So in essence, our faith is kind of like muscles, right? When you go to the gym and you try to pump some iron, you lift some weights. 
Well, what happens when you stretch your muscle, when you exercise your muscle? In other words, when, when your muscles are tested against the weight, what does it do? Over time, your muscles do what? They grow. They, they develop. They become stronger. The same is true in our faith. And the way that God The way that God grows our faith and increases our faith is he helps us by testing our faith. And so today what we're going to do for a few moments is we're going to talk about four specific ways that God tests our faith. Now there are many ways that God tests our faith. But there are four specific ones that we're going to unpack today. Because again, as we're thinking about the future, as we're looking... You know, through the front windshield of the rest of 2024, of all the endless possibilities and all the things that we're striving to accomplish and all the things that we really want to believe in faith that God will accomplish in us and through us, one of the things that God's going to do along the way throughout this journey for the remainder of this year is He's going to test our faith to ensure the fact that we are looking to Him leaning on him, and depending upon him along the way. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. Do you believe that? So here's the first test. God, well, let me, let me read a verse of scripture before I share that with you. James 1, verses 3 and 4 says it this way. For you know that when your faith is tested... It stirs up in you the power of endurance. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. So in essence, what God is saying is that, hey, he's going to put us through a series of tests and there is a purpose for it. Because as God tests our faith and really how he watches in our response to what we do in those times of testing, we, over time, are going to either grow spiritually and mature and get stronger and healthier along the way because he's stretching us and because we're living by faith. Or we're going to see those tests And we're going to see these situations and circumstances as perhaps something that God is doing to us rather than something that God is doing for us. So here are four specific things. Number one, God tests our faith through difficulties. You know what's crazy is that some of you, literally right here on, what, day 14 of 2024, you've already been thrown some curveballs. You've already expected maybe some unexpected difficulties, some things that you were not thinking of. They weren't on your goals list. You know, these were not things that you were, you know, hoping for, praying for. No, these were unexpected things. And some of you, maybe you carried some difficulties into the new calendar year that maybe you were experiencing last year. But some of you here today, you're experiencing some difficulties in your life. And there's some things that you need to understand. All of life is a test. Do you believe that? All of life is a test. And for some of us, when we think about goals, we're we're in the process and we're thinking, I don't have time to even think about goals. I'm just trying to survive the moment. 
And here's what God does along the way. God uses four specific areas in our lives when we encounter you know, these situations, these difficulties. We just need to understand that God is testing our faith. And how does he use these four P's? One, are problems. Two, are people. Can I get an amen? The third is pressure. And the fourth is pain. So God will use problems, people, pressure, and pain in our lives for a reason. And why? Because God is using usually one of those four P's to test our faith. Now, one of the things that the scripture tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, it says, So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. Notice he says, many trials. In other words, hey, throughout life, once again, we're going to experience all kinds of situations, circumstances, difficulties, disappointments along the way. And so it's not a matter of if, it's simply a matter of when we're going to encounter those kinds of trials. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far from far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. So here's the thing you need to understand. That every difficulty that you encounter in your life, every trial that you face, you've got to understand that it has been Father filtered if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. You say, what do you mean by that? That simply means that God does not, he does not walk through his life thinking, oh my goodness, I had no idea that happened to him. I had no idea that happened to her. I had no idea they were going through that. No, God already knows. He's sovereign. He's in control of all things. He's all-knowing. But here's the thing. When I say it's father-filtered, it simply means that God is not only aware of what we're going through, but one of the things is that God is also testing us in this season to determine whether or not we're going to look to him, lean on him, depend upon him in these difficult trials. Because here's the thing. Many people often think that God is the one who is causing us to go through the difficulties. In other words, God is bringing this situation into my life. No, God does not cause difficulties in our lives. God doesn't cause someone to get cancer. God doesn't cause someone to lose their job. God does not cause, you know, a, a divorce. God does not cause, you know, all these situations or circumstances in life. No, God doesn't have to. You know why? Because we live in a fallen, sinful, broken world. And the truth of the matter is, is that a lot of us, if we're care to be honest and transparent, we bring, listen, we bring problems upon ourselves. 
because of the bad choices that we make. Some of us, we're just the innocent victims of somebody else's bad decisions and choices in life. So at the end of the day, again, we're going to experience difficulties. We're going to experience trials. Hey, there are going to be pressure. There's going to be people. There are going to be problems. There's going to be pain that we have to endure. But again, it's been father filtered. And what I mean by that is that we need to be reminded that whatever it is that we're walking through, God is going to get us through what we're going through. Because he cares. Because he cares for us. And why is he putting us through the test? Because again, God is more concerned about our character than our comfort. God wants to grow us from the inside out. Listen, he wants our faith to be tested. Why? So we'll become healthier, wiser, stronger, more prepared, more discerning. Listen, we will be ready for whatever it is that life throws at us, whatever the devil tries to use to defeat us. You know why? Because we are walking by faith. We're looking to God and we're saying, God, you are bigger than my present problems in my life. And because of that, we're walking in faith. Why? Because it is impossible to please God without faith. And according to your faith, God says... It will be done, done unto you. You see, our difficulties and our disappointments are often God's appointments to grow our faith. I love what the scripture says in Isaiah 48 verse 10. I have refined you, but not as silver is refined. Rather, I have refined you in the furnace of suffering. What is the furnace of suffering or the furnace of affliction that we endure in life? Let me put it to you this way. It's when things get hard. It's when the pressure is on. It is when the heat is on. It's when the, it's when the fires and the trials and the challenges of life become so intense. where we're, we're literally thrown into the fire. Guess what God is doing? In that time, God is refining us. God is preparing us. God is stretching us. God is even positioning us for perhaps what he wants to do on the other side. But he can't, he can't do what he needs to do on the other side until we first go through the fire. It's kind of like you know, what happens with silver and gold when it's put through the enormous, intense heat and fire. What does it do? It burns off the impurities. I heard someone talk about the illustration of a, an old silversmith one time who was a master silversmith. And someone asked him the question. They said, how do you know when the impurities have been burned away from the silver? He said, when I look into it, I can see my reflection. And that's exactly what happens with us. God looks at us and he sees our impurities and he sees our insecurities. And as we're going through the trials and through the tests and through the fire of life, guess what God is doing? God is burning away the insecurities. He's burning away all of the impurities in our lives. And when God looks at you and me and he sees his own face, his own reflection, his own glory through you and me, then he knows he is finished in that time of our lives. Because on the other side, guess what? We're being refined as pure gold. 
Because God is positioning us to make us healthier and stronger, to become all that he is destined for us to become. So what's the question, or excuse me, so what's the lesson? The lesson is this. In our trials, as we're going through the fires, we got to learn to rejoice continually. Because James says it this way in James 1, verses 2 and 3. My fellow believers, hey, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up in you the power of endurance. Isn't that awesome? I know it's much easier said than done when you're going through the fire and the heat is on. You know, when you're experiencing all these intense difficulties in your life. I know it's much easier said than done to rejoice and see those difficulties and hardships as a time of rejoicing. But notice, the scripture, James does not say, give thanks. No, he said, see it as an invaluable opportunity for joy. Not thanks. We don't thank God that he gave us cancer. We don't thank God that we've encountered some kind of financial setback. We don't thank God. No, no, no. What we do is we see these situations and circumstances that are beyond our control. And we say this. God, I don't understand what's going on. And you could even be honest and be transparent and say, God, I don't like what I'm going through right now. But God, I'm trusting you that what I'm going through, you're walking step by step alongside me every step along the way. Because what I'm going through, you're going to help me get through. Because I'm walking in faith. So, how does God test our faith? He tests our faith through difficulties. And what is our response? To rejoice continually. Number two, God tests our faith through demands. God tests our faith through demands. In other words, throughout the journey of life, you know and I know, if we read the Bible and we show up at church and we hear, you know, someone like me talk about the Bible, talk about the Bible says this, Jesus says we're to do, the, do this, we're to be that, you know, the Bible says that we are to honor this, we're to obey that. Well, as we hear these things and we read these things, a lot of times, most of it, we think to ourselves, there's no way. That's impossible. In fact, that doesn't even make sense. You mean God wants me to do this? You mean God expects me to do that? You mean Jesus says I should be this instead of that? God says I'm supposed to treat these people this way, even though they treated me Another way? I don't think so. So throughout life, once again, life is a test. And God often tests our faith through the demands of his word. And through the spiritual principles that God wants us to live by. Let me give you an example. A little small things. Because a lot of times... We often will see something, we hear something. I may even give a message about something. And like even today's message, for example, is a prime example because at first it seems easy to do, right? For example, what does Philippians say? 
Be anxious for nothing. Well, that sounds simple, right? Until you lose your job. Until you get a bad di- diagnosis from the doctor. Or until your son or your daughter goes missing. Or, you know, you, you, whatever the situation, circumstance. And then all of a sudden you're freaking out. You can have that Jesus t-shirt on and, you know, you can, you can uh, you know, have Chris Tomlin singing in the background. That's great. But at the end of the day, to be honest with you, we're freaking out. You know why? Because it's a lot harder to live and it's a lot easier to preach. So here's the thing. A lot of times the demands that God is asking us to obey in this life, they're inconvenient. They don't make sense. And honestly... For most of us, we don't want to do it. And so, here's the thing. When the children of Israel were leaving Egypt, remember, they'd been in bondage, slavery, for over 400 years. God gets them out of Egypt, out of slavery. God uses Moses to free the people. God even does this unbelievable miracle. He parts the Red Sea. Now they're on the other side. And one of the first tests along the way that the people of Israel, that God wanted to use to ultimately test their faith, was whether or not they were going to live up and honor and obey the demand that he was about to place place upon them. And in Exodus chapter 16, verse 4, it says it this way. Then the Lord said to Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you, but notice carefully, each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. I will test them in this to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. So in essence, here are the people of Israel. You got moms and kids and you got families and man, they're out there with their with their sheep, and man, they're just walking along this, this journey, not even really clear on what's going on and where they're going. All they know is that there's some piece of property out there known as the promised land that God has prepared for them. So Moses is taking them along this journey. It should have been about a two-week journey. And now all of a sudden, the very first thing that happens, God says, okay, along the way, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to rain down some food for you so you don't have to think about it. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to fend for it. I'm going to take care of your need. I'm going to provide for your need. And here's how it's going to happen. So he's going to give us some bread, some manna. But each day, each day, you're only to take enough for you and for your family that is equivalent to being enough for that day. Now, on a practical level, you're thinking, hey, we got two weeks before we get to the nearest grocery store before we can see a Publix or Chick-fil-A over in the Promised Land because that's where it's all at. And I got five kids. I mean, why not get enough that's going to take care of the rest of the journey, right? That makes common sense. Why not go ahead and store up as much as we can to last us for this whole trip? Why do we have to just do it for one day and one day only? And only do it for enough that's going to take care of that specific day. It doesn't make sense. But why did God place that demand on them? To test whether or not they were going to fully obey what he wanted them 
to do and ultimately who he wanted them to become. So here's the thing about faith. Faith always requires risk. You see, if we knew exactly how things were going to turn out, in other words, we could see from the beginning all the way to the end, and that would be awesome, right? I mean, wouldn't it be great if we literally could see the rest of our life? And we could see in front of us and we could see exactly how every detail is going to unfold. Every decision, every situation, every circumstance. Wouldn't it be awesome if we could just see everything clearly in front of us and we just knew on the front end how everything was going to shake out. Well, that would be great, but here's the issue. The issue is, if that were to be true, then we would need no faith and there would be no risk. So all of life is a test. And without risk, there can be no faith. Because faith is taking risk because you don't know exactly how things are going to unfold. As many of you know, tomorrow is Martin Luther King uh, Jr.'s uh, National Day of, of just recognition and, rec- recognition and honoring the incredible uh, you know, stance that he took and all that he fought for when it comes to you know, all of the Uh, equality in our nation, the freedoms. But here's the thing that I respect most about Martin Luther King Jr. was his faith in God. My favorite quote about faith came from Martin Luther King Jr. And here's what he said. He said, faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. So when God places commands, when he gives us a promise in the Word of God, we always have to remember, listen, before every promise, there is first a premise. So God, in essence, is reminding us, I will do this if you will do this. God says, I promise that I will fulfill this if you will do this. So before every promise, there is first a premise. In other words, there's a condition. Why? Because God is testing our faith. He is testing our obedience. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, it says, It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God, listen to this, would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. That's called faith. He had no clue what the details were going to be, what the ultimate outcome was going to be. All he knew is that God had given him an instruction and told him what to do. He did it without even asking questions. And even if he thought about asking God questions, God was basically saying, I'll I'll fill you in once you get there. So in essence, it required tremendous risk and faith on Abraham's part. You remember Noah? Hebrews 11 verse 7. By the way, both of these individuals... In Hebrews chapter 11, it's referred to as the hall of faith. Some of the greatest men and women of God, the great heroes of the faith, are listed in this chapter. It says, It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. Listen to this. He obeyed God, who warned him about things that he had never, that he had never seen happen before. And by his faith, Noah demanded... Excuse me, Noah condemned the rest of the world and received the righteousness that comes by faith. So what is it that we learn through this testing when it comes to the demands that God places in our lives? 
Here's our response. Our response is to obey immediately. Again, it's easier said than done, right? So the big question is, if God tells us to do something, if we read something in his word, if we know something to be right and true, if we know that this is what God requires of me, this is God's will for my life, if I know that to be true and I am standing in faith that God wants me to do this to please him, then my posture should be, yes, God, now what's the question? In other words, we are always in a posture of obedience, always ready to respond in, a, in an act of obedience to whatever it is that God is asking us to do. Even though it's inconvenient, even though we don't like it, even though it makes no sense, it, we, listen, we don't understand it, but because it's in faith that God is growing us, he's testing us, Listen, he's preparing us so we become healthier, stronger, and more equipped. He's growing us from the inside out. Number three is this. God tests our faith, not just through difficulties and demands, but you ready for this? Through our dollars. I don't think there's anything, I'm just getting real with you. Up until this point, you're thinking, I think I can do that. Yeah, I agree with that. I can't buy into this one. What do you mean God tests my faith through dollars? Are you kidding me? I'm just the messenger here. And let me deliver the message. Because it's one that none of us like to hear. But the truth of the matter is, God uses our material possessions, our money, to test our character and to test our faith more so at times than maybe difficulties that we go through or demands that maybe we feel like God is placing in our lives. But yet God will take the practical aspect of life, money, material possessions, to test our faith. You know why it's so hard for us, I believe, when it comes to really embracing this whole idea of God testing our faith through dollars? is because when we see our bank account, when we see the reality of our financial situation, especially if we're going through difficulties, we see the fact that in the natural, it doesn't make sense. In the natural, I can't afford to do this. I can't afford to do that because of my current situation and circumstances. And so as a result, because we are so dependent upon money, and not only dependent upon money, but because we need it to pay our bills, to live, to take care of our family, to make ends meet. Because we need it so much and we're dependent upon it so much, it's very, very difficult for us to even wrap our mind around the fact of giving something away that in our mind we cannot afford to do. And that's the reason why God tests our faith through our dollars. Why did Jesus say, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also? The reason why Jesus said that is because he doesn't want our hearts, listen, to be distracted by these things, nor does he want our hearts to be dependent upon those things. 
God wants our hearts to be devoted to him and to be dependent upon him because he is Jehovah Jireh, the one who supplies every need that we have, just like he poured down manna from heaven to provide for the needs of the people for that day, for that situation, for that moment. Why? Because that was his plan. And so at the end of the day, we can argue with God and say, well, that doesn't make sense. And God oftentimes will look at you and say, well, the way you're living, it doesn't make sense to me either. The choice that you just made, that makes no sense to me. And he's God and we're not. So I think God is a little bigger, a little stronger, a little wiser, all-knowing, more powerful than you and me. And yet we have the audacity to tell God, I don't think so. I know best. Well, in Luke chapter 16, verse 11, Jesus says this way, If you have not handled the riches of this world with integrity, why should you be trusted with the eternal treasures of the spiritual world? You see, our spiritual maturity is directly related to the way that we handle our money. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And what's important for us to understand is that God is saying, if I can't trust you in the day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, year-to-year decisions on how you handle material possessions, then how can I truly trust you with the spiritual power that I want to unleash on your life? Think about that. God wants to unleash his supernatural resurrection power so it flows through every single area of your life. But he can't trust you with that kind of supernatural resurrection power if we can't even take care of the most basic, fundamental, practical things in our lives when it comes to material possessions. And God is saying, I want to give you all the treasures of heaven. I want to give you everything that you could possibly need and more. But i got to be willing to see you at least handle the little things before I give you the greater things that I long to give you in life. So, I know it's getting quiet in here. But at the end of the day, God tests our faith through our dollars. 2 Corinthians 8, verses 7 and 8 says it this way. Since your love, you could even insert the word faith is, but I'm testing how genuine your love and faith is by comparing it with the eagerness of all the other churches. So basically what he's saying is that, hey guys, there are churches over here, they are in poverty. They don't even have much to give, and yet they are going above and beyond. They're sacrificing, they're giving the little that they do have, and God is is enriching them and blessing them. And, And Paul is basically saying, hey guys, you need to think bigger and live by faith and excel and grow in this area of giving in your life so that... God can be glorified and they can be strengthened along the way. Again, God wants to use these areas of testing in our lives. So what's the principle? What's the take-home of this? It is to give generously. 
In fact, not only does God use our dollars to test us, listen to this. God uses our dollars, you ready for this? To test him. Malachi 3 says it this way. Bring the whole tithe, that's 10%, into the storehouse, your local house of worship, that there may be food in my house so that the ministry of the church can be resourced. So the church can have everything that it needs to advance God's plans and purposes. To undergird and support the ministries of the church. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And notice what it says. God is saying, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be Enough room to even store it. I don't know about you, but again, that's one of those things that's hard to wrap your mind around. It doesn't make sense, but I'm willing to put God to the test. Because I believe that God is God and I'm not. And I believe if God says, I'm going to provide for all of your needs according to the glorious riches that are found in Jesus Christ, then I'm going to be okay with trusting God along the way. Even though I don't like it, I may not understand it, I'd prefer to do something different. But at the end of the day, I'm to walk by faith and not by sight because it is impossible to please God without faith. And if God says, test me in this area, then let's put him up to the test. So I want to give you a test today. I want to give you a little challenge. You ready for this? You can go to our website, and there's a 90-day challenge. And I would encourage you, for the next 90 days, honor God with the whole tithe for the next 90 days and just see what God will do in and through your life. You say, I can't afford to do that. You can't afford not to do that. Put God to the test. So for the next 90 days, if you've never done this before, hey, go home, sit down, Get your calculator out, get a pencil, yellow pad, map it all out, and you, you will be convinced, I cannot afford to do this. And if you don't have a job and you don't have any kind of income in your life right now, then don't do it. But if you have a job and you got a paycheck, here's what I challenge you to do. Over the next 90 days, put God to the test. Honor God in this way. And after the 90 days is done, let's say Easter. By the time Easter rolls around, if your life is nothing but hell on earth, I mean the wheels have come off financially in your life, you contact us. We'll give you 100% of your money back. You know why? Because it's not about our money. It is about our heart. And God wants our heart. He wants our obedience. He wants our faith. He wants us to get fat. He wants us to live by faith rather than by sight, because he has a plan and a purpose. And he's saying, if you'll just trust me, I'll open up the windows of heaven. I will take care of you. Listen, I will open doors of you. I will provide for you. I will take care and protect every single thing that you believe is important. God says, I've already got it under control. So God's going to take care of us. Amen. I told you getting fat was hard. All right, I got to hurry up. Number five, excuse me, number four is this. So God tests our faith through not just difficulties, not only through the demands and dollars, but through our through his delays. Through the delays in life. We've all encountered those situations where 
You call the 1-800 number, technical support. And they have the automated lady. I don't know who she is or where she lives. But they all have the same voice. And they say, you are the fifth caller. Blah, 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 blah. The approximate wait time is 45 minutes. And I'm thinking to myself, are you kidding me? Who decided that? You know why? Because we hate to wait, right? How many of you love to wait? How many of you just love to wait when you go through the line at Starbucks? And they're, they're speaking Russian. I mean, they're like, you know, I want a, I want a grande um, mocha chalada, a half whip, skim this, a non-fat that. I'm thinking, it's a coffee place. Just get some coffee. But 45 minutes later, you got some person out there has got some whacked out way of drinking coffee and you're thinking, are you kidding me? The truth is, God will allow us to go through seasons of waiting. Why? Because faith requires waiting on God. In Deuteronomy 8, verse 2, it says it this way. Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years. Now remember, from Egypt to the land of Canaan, by foot, would it maybe have taken them two weeks, three weeks at the most. And yet because... They didn't like God's demands. And because it was too hard and difficult, because of what was going to be required, they belly ached, they complained, they whined, and they groaned for 40 stinking years. They wandered in the wilderness. And God says, remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey His commands. What's the point? What's the take home? Throughout life's delays... God wants us to learn to live patiently. And again, this is one of those easier sermons to preach than it is to live in this regard. It's one of those things that's, that, that's kind of like, well, yeah, I can wait. But here's the thing. Noah, 20 years before finally having a son to continue the lineage. Joseph waited 13 years for his dreams to be fulfilled. And while he waited for those 13 years, he went through hell on earth. Moses waited for 40 years on the backside of a desert before God gave him his assignment to go free the people that were living in, in Egypt. David waited for approximately 14 years before he became king. 
Jesus waited 30 years before his public ministry began. You say, why does that matter in my life today in 2024? Because if you're in a season of waiting, you're in the waiting room of life. Can I just remind you that in this season of waiting and wondering and hoping and praying and believing that God is going to come through, those individuals that I just shared with you, that I encourage you to know that you are in good company. Because while you are waiting, God is working. He's working. You may not see it. You may not feel it. You don't hear any signs of it. You may even question whether there's even a God who cares. You may even question, God, why would you allow me to go through this? God, if you really loved me. God, if you even cared for me. God, if you even really even knew that I existed, then you would do something. You would speed up the process. You would hurry up and open the door. God, you would bring healing to my life. God, you would restore this broken marriage, this broken friendship, this broken relationship. God, you would, you would provide for this urgent matter that I'm experiencing in my life right now. Financially, my back is against the wall. I don't even know how I'm going to make it to the end of the week. God, if you really love me and you really cared for me, you just need to understand that every man and woman of God of faith that's ever lived on this earth, every single one of them had gone through the test and the trials, and it was through the waiting that God was working, and he's testing our faith. He's wanting to know, am I going to willing, am I willing to put my all into trusting God? Am I going to obey when it doesn't make sense? Am I going to walk in faith? Am I going to believe when I can't see because it is by faith, not by sight, that I'm going to keep walking, keep praying, keep believing, keep trusting, keep moving forward because in my waiting, God is working. But I'm going to keep walking while he's working because I'm walking in faith. God is going to use what I do because, listen, the Bible says faith without works is dead. So at some point, we got to keep working. We got to keep praying. We got to keep believing. We got to keep inviting. We got to keep giving. We got to keep moving. Because when God sees our faith, listen, God will do what only He can do. So don't bail before the breakthrough because God is in control. He's working in the season of waiting. So as we look at in front of us for 2024. Listen, listen, I'm going to close with this. As we look at the rest of this year, you're going to go through some difficulties. There's going to be some demands that as you grow and stretch your faith, as you try to develop spiritually in your life, as you get in some small groups, listen, as you start stepping out there and taking some proactive steps to start growing in your faith. Listen, along the way, there's going to be some things that you don't like that's inconvenient, it doesn't make sense. You, you, you're like, this, this is, I, can't, I can't go there. But as long as we obey and we keep trusting, we keep giving, 
and in the waiting, through our difficulties this year, through our demands that we grow through, through the dollars, challenges that God uses to test our faith in this area, and through all the delays that are going to happen between now and the end of the year. God is growing us from the inside out. He's positioning us. He's growing our character. He's helping us get fat so that we can be perfect. We can be complete, lacking nothing in our lives along the way of this faith journey called life. I want us to bow our heads and our hearts together in prayer today. And as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I want to read this verse of Scripture to you as a word of encouragement and as a promise. In Isaiah 64, verse 4, it says, For since the world began... No ear has heard, no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. My prayer today is that whoever you are and whatever it is that maybe you're already experiencing in the first few weeks of, couple of weeks of 2024. That you will not give up or throw in the towel or quit on God because he's not quitting on you. And God wants to test your faith. He wants to grow you and stretch you. But he's preparing you and he's positioning you for something great in and through your life. And so today I just would encourage you, if you're a follower of Jesus in this room, just tell God, just say, God... I'm committed to walking by faith and not by sight in 2024. I'm committing my life to be a person of faith, to be faith-filled, to have expectant faith, to live by faith, to make decisions in faith. I'm going to be a person of faithfulness this year. Faithful in my attendance, faithful to Make a difference, faithful to serve, faithful to give, faithful to sow into other people, faithful however it is that you want to use my life. Some of you here today, maybe a friend invited you. Maybe this is the first time attending Rethink Life. Maybe you're watching online and maybe God has spoken to your heart. And maybe today, more than anything, what you need is to put your complete faith and trust in the person of Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've tried church. Maybe you've tried religion. Maybe you've tried to follow a certain pattern or maybe a certain way you're supposed to live. But for whatever reason, it still leaves you empty. It's led you to nowhere. It's brought confusion to your life. And, and maybe for the first time you're realizing that trying to be something or do something just doesn't work. And maybe what you need to do today is to simply 
let go and let God have complete control of your life. It's the surrender part. We talked about this last week. That's what salvation is. It's surrendering our will to his ways. And if you've never done that, would you be willing to trust Jesus today as your Savior to forgive you of your sin and to surrender your will to his ways? You can pray this prayer. Just say, dear God, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I turn from my sin. And Jesus, I believe that you died on a cross and you arose again. And today by faith, I surrender my life to you. I give you everything that I don't understand and I place it into your hands. And I'm surrendering my will to follow your ways. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. Father, we pray for these who may have prayed that prayer and put their faith and trust in you today. Father, as a church, family, as a body of believers, I pray that today that we will be faith-filled. God, that we will walk by faith, that we will trust you through the difficulties and demands and the dollars and all the delays along the way, God, that we will become men and women who grow strong in faith through the seasons of testing and through the trials and the challenges that we endure so that, God, we can become a bright, radiant, beautiful story and testimony of all that you want to accomplish in and through our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, it would mean a great deal to us if you would consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. You can click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories. And be sure to tag us at Rethink Life Church. To learn more about our church, check out RethinkLife.com. Until next time, hey, we love you and believe the best is yet to come in your life.